And you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. It's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show Dr. Thomas Lacona. Welcome. Thank you. So I was looking at your bio and some of the things you've written. What led you to write How to Raise Kind Kids? Well, we're living in a culture where we see lots of unkind examples, a culture which is in some ways increasingly toxic to our children. Yes. A culture where they're surrounded by pornography, by the worst aspects of social media, by public figures who set the wrong kind of role model. Uh, so there's a lot lot out there that can make um, unkind behavior, uncivil behavior seem to be the norm. So we really need, really need to be countercultural in a very deliberate way as families build up an internal culture within our families that's strong enough to, uh, to resist the negative influences of the wider culture. You know, I couldn't agree more because I am very uh, close with my two girls, they're teenagers, and I tell them, there's so much that goes on in the palm of your hand with that phone, and you're exposed to so many things, whether it's your peers or the world, and it affects you. Everything we're exposed to affects us in one way or the other. Kids may dismiss that and say, oh, it doesn't influence me, but mm-hmm. what they see on a movie screen, what they see on a TV, what they see on their smartphone, what they read, everything that goes in there affects us in some way. Right. And so we want to try to reduce the exposure to toxic material and increase our exposure to positive things, to inspiring material that uh, gives us examples of how to lead our lives. So let's get into the book. Um, What are some common mistakes that you feel parents make? Um, You talk about how you shouldn't pay for chores. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's a good one to start with because in a lot of families, kids are getting a free ride. Parents are doing all the giving, Mm -hmm. kids all the taking. We're the providers, they're the consumers, and that's a recipe for raising entitled children who, when they're 15, like one 15-year-old boy, when asked to mow the lawn, will say, why should I mow the lawn? It's not my lawn. They have no sense of identification with the family, being a member of a group where you receive benefits, but you also give back Mm -hmm. and make a contribution. So if we want kids to become responsible, they have to have real responsibilities. That starts in the home, starts with simple chores. Even in the preschool years, kids can do simple things as early as age two or three, helping to pick up things, uh, bringing something that the parent needs for the, the, the baby or any small thing that gives them a feeling that, that they're um, part of the family, that they're contributing members. They'll be proud of that. They'll feel good about themselves for having help. Right. So uh, giving kids basically um, a free ride is one big mistake that produces a sense of entitlement and instead of a sense of responsibility. You know, I have to share something with you. I grew up on the East Coast and lived in New York, and then I was back in Connecticut with my dad. And on a Saturday morning, I had to be up at 8 o'clock in the morning, and I had to be mowing the lawn before breakfast. And Wow. Yeah, and it, and um, it was not a small lawn, and it was I think it was like at least a quarter of an acre, and it was a lot of work, and it was the one with the gas mower and pull the thing, and and but I have to say, you know, teaching your kids to do these things will make them more resilient, and for me, you know, I own, I mow my own lawn now, you know, I uh-huh. th- certain certain things you instill in your kids when they're younger, they will work harder, I believe, when they're older. Absolutely. Uh, character, <clears throat> excuse me, character is really about habit formation. Habits are developed through practice, lots of repetition. And, you're, you know, it's not just a matter of telling kids 
what's right or what you expect. It's a matter of giving them the real experience of doing it again and again and again. And your account of mowing the lawn and how it persisted into your adulthood. I mean, I, when I was a kid, I did the dishes. Mm-hmm. And when my wife and I got married, I would, did the dishes. And she was very grateful. She had a husband who did the dishes. Yes. And then our boys did the dishes. And now they're fathers. And they help clean up the kitchen, but also they're training their children to help with the cleanup. So, that's so these things do become a legacy that gets passed along. And it's all about habits. Yes. Yeah. So tell me about the discipline toolbox and some of the things that should be in it. Well, first of all, we need patterns of correcting the small stuff that goes on all the time, and we need to take the small things seriously. Uh, a child leaves the table without clearing their plate. Uh, you can say, what are you forgetting? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's what's What are you supposed to do when you leave the table? Just a question as a reminder. Uh, or, or what's the rule about fill in the blank? dirty clothes, put them in the hamper, right. uh, video games, ask permission first. So the question puts the responsibility on them to remember what's appropriate. Uh, you might need to give them a chance for a redo. They say something snappish to you, you can ask what would be a more respectful way of responding. They say something unkind to a sibling, what would be a kinder way to ask your sister for that? Mm-hmm. So those kinds of small corrections of everyday stuff um, will be part of your discipline toolbox. Being being flexible and mindful, um, uh, anticipating problems. For example, let's say you um, are about to get in the car with your children to go to school, church, vacation, wherever in the past. And this actually, we see this happening with our grandchildren now. And they start bickering about who's going to sit where. Mm-hmm. And it gets everything off to a very unpleasant start. So to be proactive, before you get in the car, even before you leave the house, you can say, look, how can we avoid an argument about who's going to sit where? I'd really appreciate that. Yes. Um, or you're taking your kid to the park, your five-year-old, and usually when it's time to leave, there's a tug of war. He wants to stay longer. You say we've already been here for this amount of the, and mm-hmm. It's an unpleasant departure. So you think ahead and say, okay, look, I like taking you to the park. But um, I don't like to have trouble when it's time to leave. So let's make a plan. I'll bring a timer, and when it's 10 minutes left, I'll give you a 10-minute warning, five minutes. We'll set it for five minutes. You can see how much time is left. And then when it, when the timer goes off, it's time to go. Okay, tell me what our plan is. So you think ahead. You get your child in into the plan, thinking about it in, the, in this way, and it, it creates a, a better likelihood that you'll avoid the power struggle uh, in that particular situation. No, that's great advice, by the way. Well, let's talk about, you know, how to talk to kids, because I know having teenagers myself, sometimes, you know, you feel like they're not opening up to you. Uh, they put up a wall. You know, they're going through different phases. What would you suggest? Well, that that can happen naturally in the teen years. Kids develop a stronger sense of privacy. Some of them do anyway. Our, our two sons were different in this mm-hmm. regard. Our one son, when he was 13, would call him from school, and he would spill his guts about everything that happened that day. Wow. So there was no problem. Our other son, from seventh grade through ninth grade, clammed up. And then finally his mother said to him, look, you know, Matthew, I need to know what's happening in your life. I can't be your mother if I don't know. Mm-hmm. And you may not want to tell me, but, you know, a parent has a right to know and a need to know. So, you know, let's talk about school. And and he would say, well, if you know what was going on at school, you'd be shocked. And she had to say, look, you know, I'm, I'm your mother. I've been around the block. I know some things. Yes. You know, and so on. But it may require that sort of gentle pressure or creating a context where you're more likely to have um, serious 
face-to-face conversation, a ritual of time together one-on-one where you maybe go out um, once a week for breakfast on a Saturday morning or where you uh, grab a pizza or where you take a long walk. Or, mm-hmm. and we create a situation where you're more likely to be able to to get into some of these things. And then to make that more more probable, I strongly encourage something I call back-and-forth questions where you might start with the question, what was the best part of your week, what was the hardest part, and why. Mm-hmm. And you invite your child to ask the same thing of you. So it's not just one way, uh, but they're really asking about your life and your experiences. And then the question bounces back and forth, and you can get into stuff like, you know, what are you worried about these days? What's on your mind? Right. What are you looking forward to? What do you feel good about? Um, what's the decision you're trying to make? Um, who's a you know friend that's maybe you know, your best friend this year, or more maybe one who's giving you problems that you didn't used to have Mm -hmm. and these questions are open-ended they're meaningful they they draw out deeper stuff and and that can deepen your relationship and give you more influence Um, one father remembers walking to the top of the hill on sunday afternoon with his dad and sitting on the rock and looking down at the town below and he said um, i would talk to my father about my problems and he would talk to me about his Wow, beautiful. So we want that kind of intimacy in the relationship, and we have to create a context in which it's more likely to happen. Mm-hmm. But if it's going on other times, too, even if you have five minutes or 20 minutes cleaning up the kitchen or dinner discussion, you know, you're trying to pose a topic, something that brings out meaningful sharing of thoughts, feelings, and experiences. Yes. I, you know, I feel like there is a lot going on in the mind's of teenagers today, and I, one thing I liked is getting them out of the house, go getting a pizza, taking a hike, take a walk, because I feel like sometimes they just want to run to their rooms and process yeah. whatever and, and hide away. Changing the scene does help to mm-hmm. to, to you know, create a, a different feeling, a different environment. Um, some some parents even plan an annual trip with with a teenager where they go away for at least one overnight and do something that they both enjoy and it creates lots of opportunities for lots of meaningful conversations. Yeah. Uh, there are lots of ways of, of trying to do it. Uh, one mother of a 60-year-old said it's when I was sitting on the side of her bed and the lights were out that she opened up to me about what was going on at school and so on. So that was you know, that was a situation where she found intimacy with her daughter. So we need to you know try to find those opportunities and make the most of them. Yes. I want to share something with you. When I was younger, I became a volunteer at a hospital, and um, it was the greatest experience. I was 13 or 14, and now my daughter and I have been friends with this woman who's now 98 because she volunteered as part of a project, and we were, we were told, oh, I hope you don't just drop her when you're done getting your hours, and we would never dream of doing that. And I would say that created such kindness and understanding and respect for both of my teenage girls to to befriend a woman that was at the time you know what was that at least five years ago and now we're still friends with her it's it was a wonderful thing that's a terrific story for making a number of points first of all the rewards that come from reaching out to somebody making a difference in their life that's that's a powerful experience of having been able to do that and, and really the need to provide those opportunities to get your child involved in community service, even to take advantage of opportunities in the neighborhood. It reminds me of a story that, that um, a mother who herself was a Quaker said, I knew, I knew that when I grew up my life would have something to do with service. My mother used to say after school, why don't you go down and pay a little visit to Mrs. Flanagan. She was an elderly woman who lived alone. Okay. And she said, 
first when I was, you know, first grade, so I would say, well, why do I have to do that? Other kids don't have to. She and the mother would say, it doesn't matter what other kids do. Mm-hmm. This is something you can do, and it will bring a little happiness to her day. And when she was older, she looked back upon those after-school visits for 10, 15 minutes talking with that lonely person as something that uh, was very important to her, that she remembered with gratitude that her mother required her to do that. So those those face-to-face helping relationships are just terribly important for children to experience. Those are real experiences. They're concrete. It's not just talking about what's kind. It's really giving them the experience of kindness. So, Dr. Lacona, what what would you like uh, listeners to take away from your book? I know we just have a few more minutes. Well, you know, these days, again, because we're in a tough culture, there's just a much greater need for parents to be vigilant, first of all, you know, what their kids are doing, who they're with, what they're watching, and to err on the side of strictness rather than laxness. The kids, when they look back on their childhood, usually are grateful their parents were strict, stricter than the parents of a lot of their friends. Mm-hmm. And then we need to have the guidance they need, help them process the culture they're experiencing, help them stay away from situations that are temptations and pressures on to, to really um, try to do all we can as a parent to have the most positive influence we were able to have while we have our kids. Absolutely. And where can people find out more about you? My author website is simply thomaslacona.com. That's L-I-C-K-O-N-A. And there are some resources there that will also link to our our Character Education Center at the college where there are a lot of free materials. And you're in Cortland, New York? Yeah, upstate New York, right in the middle of New York State. I went to Syracuse. Are you on your fifth snowstorm in April? No, I'm joking. Uh, well, <laughs> it, it, no, it's not been such a terrible winter. Oh, good. There, there used to be a lot more snow, actually. These days, the ski resorts pray for more snow. Oh, wow. Wonderful. Well, I really enjoyed uh, reviewing this, uh, How to Raise Kind Kids and Get Respect, Gratitude, and a Happier Family in the Bargain. Dr. Thomas Lycona, thank you so much. Well, and I am very grateful for what you shared today. Great stories. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. You too. If you missed any part of our conversation, it is up on the show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. And if you want to follow the show, I am on Twitter at moms, M-O-M-Z underscore rock.